Welcome in to the Fezzik Focus. It is uh, March 23rd when we record this podcast, and we're in the midst of the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. I'm Scott Seidenberg, the man, the myth, the legend. Steve Fezzik is here, of course, as well as A.J. Hoffman. And we start off this Fezzik Focus with a Fez tale and how fitting with March Madness in progress. This week's Fez tale has to do with the NCAA tournament and a play that caused Mr. Steve Fezzik to go viral. What if I told you I lost $80,000 betting on Purdue to win outright to make nothing? But more people now know you than knew you a week ago. And I'm much more likely to get into the sports betting hall of shame because of this. Um, let me get into it. What I did right. What I did wrong, because I think there's a lot you know, to be said. Well, one thing anyone who's listened knows, I am not anti-big money lines. I play lots of big money lines, and I did play all the number one seeds to win on money lines. But the one I tweeted about was that, oh, I'm trying to figure out how much to bet on Purdue, minus 4,500. I had already bet them, actually, minus 5,200. And then I got access to a better number, so I bet more. Now, my rationale was, I know Purdue sucks. I'm aware. I mean, I know they suck as a as a one seed. I saw them melt their guards melt down in the Big Ten tournament against Penn State. You know what? They still won the Big Ten tournament. They're still a top fifteen team playing a absolute garbage team in a tournament game, and they're laying twenty three. If it's so obvious FD was going to make it a close game, well, God bless you. You should have bet twenty percent of your bankroll plus twenty three on the game. I watched the game. I'm well aware the line shouldn't have been 23. We get back in the time machine and we replay it. Obviously, this line's not going to even be 20, all right? And Purdue played terrible. And I did mitigate some of the damage live wagering, which I'm not even going to get into. Mm -hmm. But um, directionally, I still think I was spot on correct. In fact, you know, I'm looking forward next year to playing all the number ones that are 20-point shocks or higher. Um, on the money lines, because I'm going to get even better numbers because of this game. That sure. It's going to impact it. Now, what can I do better? Be more price sensitive. I'm always I'm like, I'm busting both of you guys' balls about getting the very best number and how mm-hmm. important that is and beating the closing number. And here's the case where I just said, ah, Purdue's 23-point favorite. They're going to win 99% of the time. I'm laying minus 5,000-ish. It should be minus... Yeah, it should be double that. Yeah, can you explain that? Because I don't think a lot of people understand when you, and for those that read the ESPN article or that heard you on other podcasts explain the bet, they might not understand because they they see the the number and they're, they're blinded by the bet amount. Yes. But when you say, okay, the money line is this, but there's value because it should be this. Explain that, please. Sure. So I'm risking 50 to win one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's assume that I make this bet 100 times. All right. I expect to win 99 times, 99 units, and lose 50 once. So I will net 49 units if my assumption is correct that it's a 99% chance of winning. But what if it's only 98%? Then it's break even because now I'm going to win 98 times. Mm -hmm. I'm going to net 98 units, but I'm going to lose twice. So I'm going to lose 100. So I'm going to lose two units. So it's almost break even at that point in time. Um, that's how you have to, in order to compute whether you have value, you got to go ahead and make a estimate of the probability of a team winning. Teams that were laying 23 or more in the NCAAs were 156 and 1. 
number one seeds were had a very comparable record. This is straight up record. Yeah, the only loss the the Virginia UMBC. Right. Well, now it's one fifty six and two. But yes. like a little of that. Hey, there have been thirty three point favorites. Mm-hmm. There have been thirty eight point favorites. There have been seventeen point favorites. Number one. So it's not really fair to. Inc- Put those all in one bucket. Although I do think it's illustrative overall. And you also had the team, right, AJ, that Purdue was the they're the tallest team in the country, right? And they're go and for, not the tallest team, but they have I mean their dominant player is the, the biggest giant monster yeah, but in the I, country. But that's I, I all think, baked I think, irrelevant. I think they said Fairley Dickinson is on average the shortest team in the country and Purdue is the tallest team but in it, the country. It, it, they did. And, yeah. and but they were the shortest they, team in the tournament. But it's, yeah, oh, it, but right, now yeah. you're handicapping. Yeah. It's like like you don't I don't have to think about the handicap. The line's twenty three. That's all mm-hmm. I have to like unless you, now you now someone could say, Yes, you do have to think, Fez, you should have learned your <laughs> lesson. And they are right. Because you'd say, well, how much variance is associated with this game? So a game of of, of giants against midgets probably has more variance than a game where everybody's the same height. And I can accept that. That maybe maybe I should have shied off because of that variance with the, the with the height differentials on those teams. And and that's that's good criticism. And I think I also certainly should have been much more price sensitive in, in faraway places. I don't have access to this book. There was a minus twenty seven fifty. Oh, I can wow. tell you this next year. I can tell you this. I will make sure I do have access to that book, and I will go crazy <laughs> on bets like this going forward. When you know, when I do have access to this, um, I also regret the fact I'm like, well, I'm thinking about how much I should bet on this. You know, uh, I think it's a 99% bet. It's a good bet. And if anybody went out there and bet enough to wreck their tournament, you know, where they 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 wagered something crazy without knowing the inherent risks and being able to manage it, I apologize for that. I was wrong to do that, and that's probably my biggest regret is that I, you know, caused someone else to make bad bets. But I, I but I do get over, and at some point, and I, I'm sorry this comes across wrong, that I so many people like living in the with their mom are like, what an idiot has no idea what he's doing betting. It's like. You know, guys that live on golf courses, you know, mm-hmm. that that are betting probably aren't complete idiots. They're not infallible. They probably make some mistakes, but there's probably something to be learned from the exercise. Yeah. And and what I've heard from a lot of people is like, well, you got to be a fucking moron to lay five thousand to make a hundred. And nothing could be further th- from the truth. I mean, Tiger Woods is not going to win the Masters if they play the Masters a thousand times. How many times is Tiger Woods going to be able to win in April? Twice. Yeah, hand, under under ten. Five. Yeah, I certainly not. All 10. Take, listen, all it takes is four good days. But when well, was the last time we saw four good days well, out this, of Tiger? Well, this is a good point. If Tiger Woods had his four, like two standard deviations better than what we expect days, mm-hmm. I don't think that'd be good enough. I think he needs four straight three standard deviation days in order to be good enough to beat like John Rahm, who's going. Yeah. one of these top five mm-hmm. players is also going to have a plus one yes. standard deviation day to, that, that winds up winning. And so at some point, Tiger's best is going to be unable to beat the, one of the top 10 in the world's best unless something really funky happens. And I get you could argue, well, wait a minute, it's um, it's correlated. If Tiger does really well round one, he's more likely to do well with round two, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But he's also more likely to wear down with all the pressure and the like. But I'm just throwing that as a bet. So as, as a, um, I am committing to, I am going to like be... Committing to the no on I, Tiger I'm Woods. committing to like, Disclose. I'm gonna. I'm committing to win back the 50 units public <laughs> on bets that I'm going to be making going forward on bridge jumpers. Um, but the the, you know, the bankroll management point point is really important to go ahead and and also people are like, oh, did you just? Where were you? Were you in the book? You know, while the game was going on. It's like the questions I get. It's like, it, it, did you you guys saw the movie The Firm, right? Yes. So there's there's one point where the bad guys. It's Wilford. Brimley is the actor, I believe. He he plays a bad guy in the firm, 
And like he finds out a piece of information and they're like, how did you know about that? And he's like, what do you what do you fucking think I'm, I'm doing all day around here? You know, I'm working, you know, so you think I'm not just like following the Purdue game and aware of, you know, that I'm in trouble early in the game and that clearly the line shouldn't be 23 and I'm betting FD in some way, shape or form. Unfortunately, the limits are too low. But I mean, I put a big bet in at halftime. I parlayed FD in the money line second half to the under because I thought it was correlated. It's not mm-hmm. nearly enough to cover you know, my, my liabilities that I had. At the end of the game, I bet FD plus four and a half. Then I bet them plus two at the next timeout. And then the, the, the piece de resistance of stupidity, I laid minus 140 when they're up three with like a minute to play. So I'm laying minus 140, <laughs> and I got the other side yeah, yeah, yeah. that I got minus 5,000. So that's got to be the worst Polish missile, middle. Apologies to Polish Americans everywhere in the history of the planet. Um, but I, but I don't. T- your takeaway should not be well. You should never ever lay more than a thousand to win a hundred. I think a good takeaway could well be if you're a novice better and you don't know what you're doing, it's probably best to avoid these sort of bets. But remember, the casino each and every day. Uh, they're laying minus 3,500 that the, the, the little ball is not going to go into 33 black when you bet numbers on the roulette wheel. Mm. And they do very well. Yes, they so, do. So routinely with bets like that. So, um, And there are some people out there that are pounding in money line parlays on things that are big favorites. Mm-hmm. And I've always emphasized, I hate those. And the reason I emphasize is it's not because I'm anti-minus 500. Yeah. I'm just anti, why would you put it in a parlay and now you you like you don't get the best price on your game and, and, your, so, and your bet sizing is all screwed up because if you play like a 16 parlay, yeah. then you wind up if your sixth game, by example, is Gonzaga and you go five and on the first five. Now you're so stressed out and, and spaced out that you need that sixth game because, sure. because now instead of you, – you're you either going to be betting you know, one unit on that mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, oh, I'm betting 30 units on so, this. So I don't know if you saw – now I actually did a money line parlay with the one seeds in the NCAA tournament and the one seeds and the two seeds. If you that they all would win. That they all would win. Uh-huh. There was a bet out there, will a one seed get upset? I saw that. Okay. Yeah. The line on that was, the best number, which was publicized, Rob Bazola had tweeted that out, minus 750. It yes. was where I looked, it was like minus 1,200. Yes. Much higher. I said, I calculated the odds on the ones and twos, and it was significantly, it was almost even money. Mm-hmm. When you looked at that, I thought that was a good value bet. I said, based on what are the odds, if it's minus 1,200 that a one seed's going to lose, so, so you, so essentially you, I'm just looking at the two seeds. So you laid Purdue also. Of course. You made the same bet. So you said, no, let me ask you. But this. I also lost with uh, the the, the um, two seeds. Arizona. With Arizona. But, but when you yeah. played that, you just popped in, you, you put in all eight. You, you put, put in all eight, all the ones, so all the So let me ask you, so what Purdue, what was your money line on Purdue? Because it probably was higher. Well, what book did you play that? And I'll know. Uh, William uh, Hill. William. So, so William Hill. I know Purdue was higher because mm-hmm. I, because I looked at the. I don't. So, so you may. I feel better now because you, you you lost the bet I lost, and I think you laid. But I lost it first because I lost Arizona. But I so think, I didn't even have to pay attention. But, to but, but, but I think I th- but I think you laid ninety to make one on Purdue. If I, oh, if I remember Purdue. you, so you laid minus nine thousand. You're like, no, I didn't, Fez. I laid. I, I got even money. No, you didn't. Yeah. You, 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 and literally, like you 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 have to look at it that way. You know, mm-hmm. and and there was a prop bet. 
where they just bundled all the teams together yes. and said, you know, will there be a one seed that loses? Mm-hmm. And Pagola bet at minus seven. And there was another prop bet: will a two seed lose? Yes. And that was also a significant favorite. Okay. That it, the no was a significant favorite. Sure. And and the math behind it was Bama was laying twenty one and a half. Think about this: Bama mm-hmm. was laying uh, open twenty one and a half. Actually, closed like twenty three and a half, uh, twenty four. So Purdue was laying twenty three. UCLA was only in Houston was laying nineteen. Was UCLA laying nineteen from memory? Uh, no, they weren't laying that many. It was like fifteen. I think fifteen or sixteen. Could have been sixteen. Okay, so you know from that perspective, the vulnerable seeds were were UCLA and Houston. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I know Houston did struggle for a while, but you but you see where I'm going is that <clears throat> if you if you calculate all four of those, um, I would make the case that. The Purdue, because they're a bigger favorite, aspect of built, baking into that minus 750 was such that Rob basically got the same number I got pretty much when he when he laid 750. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, UCLA, UCLA was 17 and a half. Um, and like the two seeds, you know, you had Arizona lost. They were laying 15. Yeah. Yeah, they were laying 15. I mean, it happens. It, it, it's and Marquette was uh, laying Marquette was the lowest two seed favorite. They were laying 11. But everybody else was in the 15 to 17 to 20 range. So, uh, hey, it happens. You learn. You move on. But and, you will not shy against making that same bet again. But I think I'm not going to put – yes, but I'm not going to put my head in the sand and say, oh, I just played perfectly and I just got unlucky. Yeah. You know, like, like there's something to be said for, hey, maybe try to evaluate the variance a little mm-hmm. bit more um, associated – you know, with, with with the teams that I'm playing, because you can make the case, I think, that in a zillion years, Alabama wasn't going to lose that game. Agreed. Alabama was not a vulnerable seed, yeah. and Alabama was playing in a favorable venue. I know Purdue was not playing far from mm-hmm. home, but the crowd turned on them late. Yeah, you would have been you would have been much better off laying all that with Alabama. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, the, 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 probably Al- a ninety nine point eight percent bet. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, Birmingham, and yep. Exactly right. So yeah, I mean. Uh, but going forward, like I said, we're going to start me down 50 units, and I'm going to start bridge jumping. <laughs> and by hopefully, if I live long enough, I mean, hope, hopefully, I, I would anticipate I'll have probably 10 to 20 a year, and let's see where we go from here. Let's do it. Well, uh, the XFL has been good to you so far. What's your record in the XFL this year? XFL's 10 and 5 this year. Okay. So 19 and 5 run. Oof. Um, because I had a 9-0 in one year. So the XFL has been, you know, one thing that's been good, like just an ident- sometimes you identify one thing. Uh-huh. And it's good enough. All right. If you know one thing that the market doesn't know, mm-hmm. what do I know? Um, Vegas is a dead nut over team. Vegas can't stop anyone, and they've got a pretty good offense. And they've just played three weather games already: one moderate rain game, one wind tunnel game, and one monsoon. Mm-hmm. And so, because of that, if you look at their underlying statistics, they're still good, but they're not great. I mean, great in terms of offense. If you incorporated that, like if I look at their at their yards per play, by example. Um, you know, they're certainly um, uh, profiled to be an over team. Uh, but if I incorporated in the adjustments necessary for the weather games, it would be even sky, sky higher more. They're getting 5.6 yards per play, 5.8 against. These are my own numbers. They could be off a little bit because it's really hard. Mm-hmm. On the XFL, um, if you go to XFL.com, they give you like the box scores, yeah, but they don't give you the season long. So it's uh, I'm doing I'm doing a it's little. It's a terrible, yeah. W- it's a terrible way to keep their stats. So like they really need to. It, it's so difficult to keep up with. Is my problem with. What's it. amazing is like they partner with ESPN, 
Why not just allow ESPN to track everything? I guess they don't. They didn't want to pay for that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so do you have to pay for it? I honestly, I have no idea. But the, at, at least ESPN just has like the schedule and the standings, but they have no stats. You know, what's interesting too is I don't have the records of the teams written, which matters for. Well, I want to ask you. Let's get to the power rankings. Yeah. So, and AJ, chime in if you disagree with uh, Fezzik's power rankings. Uh, well, so far I stink at betting the XFL, so I'm not going to disagree much. <laughs> well, all right. Who is your? And I'll give you the records. So, who is your number one power ranked team? Fez? Houston. Houston is four and one, and they do not have the best record in the XFL. They do not. They do not. The undefeated DC Defenders at five and zero have the best record. Where do you have them ranked? Are they two? They're three. They're three. Yes. And so you have Houston one and DC three. Who do you have two? Uh, the Seattle Dragons. The three and two Seattle Sea Dragons. They and I understand maybe that Ben DiNucci is going to keep fumbling five times a game, <laughs> but they're like minus eight in turnovers. And, you know, you look at the underlying numbers and Seattle's the best team in the XFL. And I'm just like, yeah, they're more turnover prone. I'll make them second. But they lay over um, the D.C. defenders in terms of, you know, the, the, the stats are overwhelming. And so in and, and the best evidence I can give, like, oh, well, D.C. is the best team. Well, if D.C. is clearly the best team, then they should be more than a two and a half point favorite. Uh, hosting Houston this weekend, they're not, you know, so mm. you know, the, the market's telling you that those two teams are roughly equal. Um, and that's, um, and I disagree. I think, I think Houston is the better team, although DC has a nice home field advantage. You're, you'd like this. You that see beer the, snake. Yeah, it's a lot beer, of fun. They, exactly. And they throw lemons well, AJ, love, on the field. I love that if they, they feel play, they've been wronged. They go sour on the refs and throw lemons at them. Well, I love that they play in a soccer stadium. So mm-hmm. there's no bad seats in the house. It's in close, intimate atmosphere. And it's a smaller capacity, so they can pack that thing. I mean, it's not like St. Louis. St. Louis is getting like 30-something thousand in the dome there. They they miss they just miss football. And St. Louis hurt my feelings last week because St. Louis was hosting D.C. And this was a really nice win for D.C. because I felt these were two teams that had the two biggest home field advantages and in the XFL. Correct, yes. So I was going to check, yeah, bet the home team. And A.J. McCarron and company, I can't blame A.J. McCarron. The defense for St. Louis let me down. But didn't you, you bet that game at at St. Louis plus three, right? Yes. And it closed at a pick Closing line value. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. They lose by Did that taste good? Yeah. Yeah, the COV. AJ, you, you love eating oh, COV, right? Oh, I've got a belly full all the time. <laughs> so I still have St. Louis as my fourth best team, but I have them as a below average team because there's three good there's only three good teams in the XFL. The only there's only three teams that can win the championship. And they are Houston, Seattle, and DC. And Houston, I'm pretty confident they reside in the South. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident Seattle resides in the North. Mm-hmm. And DC, I wouldn't be as confident, but I know that they reside in the North. Yes, they do. So with two Northern teams that are good and one, only one Southern team, I'm very happy with my Houston because Houston's basically getting a cupcake into the finals when they play the number two seed from the South. Well, here are your standings right now. D.C. in first place at 5-0. and This is the North Division. St. Louis is 3-2. and Seattle is 3-2. and Vegas 1-4. and In the South, Houston 4-1. and Arlington 3-2. and San Antonio 1-4. and and Orlando, O and five. So Orlando is coached by Buckley, 
and he's a terrible coach. He's just <laughs> just he's all he wears his heart on a sling, and he's like, uh, they had a bad game. He's like, you know what? If guys don't want to play here, we'll we'll find some other guys. And do somebody hear a coach say that to scare his players? Mm-hmm. No, Buckley takes it seriously and cut a bunch of dudes, uh, and they did play hard the game after. Um, but they, uh, but they have the statistical profile of not being a, a winless team. But they do everything wrong. Like, like as far as they're an analytics nightmare. <laughs> um, examples are, like, like I won't go into detail. But you get after a touchdown, you get one point to mm-hmm. go from the two. You get two points to go for from the five, and three points from the ten. So we could have a nice discussion whether to go for three sometimes versus two. But only a Dumbo would go for one point from the two because it's like, well, wait a minute. That that means it's like you have a 50% chance to get only one point. That's like worth half a point. That's like I I, I should be able to like if I go from the two, mm-hmm. I'm going to make – I'm if I go from the five, I'm going to make that more than a fourth of the time. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, but no, there's like three of the teams still, have, still haven't figured this out, one of them being Orlando, another being Houston, the best team in the XFL. Um, so Orlando's clearly the worst team. But now this is interesting. Arlington and San Antonio are also, they're the sixth and seventh teams. And people think Arlington's kind of decent, but they're not. But there was a game last week, and, and I don't think I've seen this in a while. So uh, San Antonio benches Jack Cohen, who's, a, I believe, a quarterback from Notre Dame. Yep. yep. So they, they put the other guy in, all right? And, and it, so the news breaks, and the market doesn't like it. The, oftentimes you see a quarterback change, you see money come on a team. No. Money pours in on Arlington. So San Antonio's lane three, like 10 minutes before the game starts. And that's two, it's one, it's zero, all once it's char- some sharp books. And it's still like two and a half at some other books. It's like, and wow. the game's delayed six minutes. So some of the books take it off the board, uh-huh. trying to bet plus three. <laughs> so, you know, that, that game has started. Like, it hasn't started. Give me the plus three, all right? And then it goes all the way to Arlington being minus one. And then the new guy gets hurt in the first half, and they have to put Cohen back in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Is that good or bad? Because he got benched. Yeah. But the market said the other guy was no good in their betting, and now he's, he's coming back. But he played terrible when he when, when he came back in afterwards. Maybe just what, maybe there's like some kind of internal problem. And now there's two teams, uh, and and ultimately the final score is 12 to 10. Wrong team won if you're trying to middle it. So Arlington, who was the um, uh, the dog all week long, did wind up winning. And now Arlington's home against San Antonio. And remember, they're catching three most of the week last week. Home field's not worth hardly anything in Texas. Yeah. So they're catching three all week. And now um, San Antonio, uh, Arlington was, and now Arlington's laying three. So mm-hmm. there's basically been a six-point line move with a change in venues, which seems way too extreme for me. So I'll make this my best bet on the pod. I am on the bad San Antonio Brahmas. Badly coached by Heinz Ward with a quarterback that got benched, Cohen, that I think is going to play because these two teams stink. Neither <laughs> team can score at all. This is the, the final score is 12 to 10. I'm going to make a bold prediction. The final score in this game is also going to be 12 to 10. So you're taking San Antonio plus three. I am. Okay. Yes. San Antonio plus three. Total in that game is 33. It's the lowest total of the week. I could only go under. Yeah. I, I cannot see where the points are, are going to come from. And, and by, like, if you look at the statistics, um, the San Antonio is averaging 4.2 yards per play. That's not good, but it's exceptional compared to what um, the Arlington is averaging at 3.7. Think about that. 
Hmm. That's like horror. If you if you run the ball for only three point seven and never throw, that's a terrible number. It's a bad number to have just rushing. Now that's for all their plays, three point seven. So unless the refs help these teams, I think we're looking at another twelve to ten snoozer. I could only look under again in this game. Let's take a look at the rest of the games for this weekend, starting on Saturday. Seattle at the Guardians. Seattle laying nine and a half points. Total forty two and a half. Thought a bad number by the odds makers. Open seven. I bet the limit at circa. As soon as I bet it, it went to eight and a half, mm-hmm. and I was I was done with it. I made I did make the game nine and a half. Okay, so. and and any feel for the total forty two and a half. Uh, Seattle's a really good over team. I would lean over. Okay. Uh, on And Orlando's a good over team, yeah. too. They got no defense whatsoever. I'd lean over. Strongly. And Saturday night, you'll have here in Vegas, the Vipers hosting the Battle Hawks. St. Louis laying three, total 44 and a half. Note the theme, bad coaching everywhere. So Vegas has a terrible coach as well. Um, and they really, Woodson's a coach. They really should be more like, Two, two, and one. I mean, Vegas has played better than the record. And that St. Louis, I know they're playing DC, very good team. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they got such a good home field and they fell on their face last week is not a good sign. Uh, McCarron's not playing particularly well. I think it should be a real close game. I did bet Vegas plus the points, and I play every Las Vegas game over, including this one. Although, who wants to play over 45 with the running clock? Even with um, and it's forty four and a half in some places, I'll lean over forty four and a half. But I did personally bet bet it pretty good over forty three and forty three and a half. What's going to be the the oh, better, better than that? Better than that? I get better numbers. What's going to be the hottest ticket in town here in Vegas on Saturday night? You have UConn Gonzaga in the Elite Eight at T Mobile or the Battle Hawks Vipers at Cashman Field. Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> well, well, I've already I've already missed the attendance. So on on the monsoon game. The maybe word spread that Stormy was going to be in attendance, and that and that helped the overall um, attendance levels. Um, but uh, I thought there'd be like a thousand people there, and like horrible weather, mm-hmm. and there was like paid sixty five hundred. I could not buy Cashman Field. No chance. Not that's I, there must have been a like, lie. But there's probably like twenty five hundred <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just amazed that 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 will, that that's, that happened. Um, but Vegas is a fun team to watch. I yeah. mean, if the weather was good and they, they, and they didn't play like in the worst part of Las Vegas, like if they, if they played where the, in Summerlin, where the minor league baseball. Sure. They, absolutely. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Beautiful, in. beautiful stadium. Would be nice. Yes. Yeah. If they play, if they, if they played even in, um, um, Allegiant, you know, right. On well, the they wouldn't, yeah, they would I never know. do that. Yeah. And, and Sam Boyd's condemned. So you can't play there. But. Yes. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't play there. Uh, uh, can can you bet any AJ McCarron props in this game? Cause I think he'll have a nice game. I, um, you know, I have not followed the XFL props, but the books okay. in Vegas have not been putting them up. Mm. I do know there's a, a cottage industry. What do you think AJ about having like a fantasy uh, football draft for XFL? Oh no, please. No. <laughs> Ooh, when can I take Josh Gordon? Uh, we already <laughs> he can't talked. even catch the ball lately. Yeah. I don't know what happened to that guy. We already talked about the Renegades and the Brahmas. You have your best bet he on— He can catch the ball. He's you, fast. You have your best bet on San Antonio. We have Monday night football, and these are the two best teams in the league. Yes. Or and- one in three, according to the Fezzik's power rankings. D.C. defenders at home against the Houston Roughnecks. I'm going to watch this game. Monday Night Football, D.C. is laying two and a half. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit steep. I think the line should be one and a half. But D.C. has a really nice home field. But I do have Houston as the very best team. You know, one thing about the XFL, if there's one number that doesn't matter much, it's one. 
Sure. Because you can go for two, one, two, or three points. And I know when late in the game, a lot of times a team will try to, like, if they score and they're behind, to get enough to, to win by one. But um, on the flip side, like, if you score and you, you know, you're trying to decide how many points to go for, um, it's very rarely the way it works out that, that these games are going to land one. And if it does land zero, which will happen more than you would think, even though we haven't had an overtime game, then in overtime, you're either going to win by two. Or four, those and two is like three, three fourths more, more, more likely. Like seventy five percent of the time, the game's going to land two. So two is actually a key number because of that. Um, and so because of that, if you're going to bet this game and you're catching two and a half, I think it's worth a look. Uh, but I really would have wanted three. I feel like uh, you know we have an interesting race here for the XFL MVP. Brandon Silvers, the quarterback of Houston. He is second in the league in passing behind Ben DiNucci, but he's got 11 touchdowns to only four interceptions. That's the same as A.J. McCarron, and McCarron's not that far behind them in passing yards, so it might come down to which team has the better record, and right now that's Houston. I don't know if there's—is there a betting market for MVP? Because I'm I, searching, I can, and I don't see it. I can tell you DiNucci and McCarron, neither one has any chance. So Brandon Silvers, the, the Houston quarterback. Uh, well, Tiamo is very good for Washington. So their quarterback. Oh, because he runs Tiamo. the football as well. Yes. So, yeah. so, so it would be between Silvers and Tiamo. And if DC goes undefeated, Tiamo would win. Yeah. Uh, Jordan. Not that, and no one's good enough to go close to undefeated, though. I DC like, I, I like how you say Tiamo, which is like, I love you in Spanish. I love but uh, Jordan Tamu is, uh, he only has two rushing touchdowns this year, and he's got ooh, only one pass, uh, only one passing touchdown. Man, how are they getting the job done? Because everyone they play turns the ball over five times. Oh, they're just running the ball, too. They got yeah. eight. Uh, Abram they, well, Smith's got, they got the four touchdowns. Too. Yeah, they're running the football well. All right, well, the, Their underlying statistics are, are nothing. Yeah. You know, that's like, and, and, and like all these, like we talk about analytics and high-level analytics and the like, and it's amazing how I'm just plodding along. I'm watching the games, but I'm just, I'm, I put in my yards per play, AJ. Yep. And guess guess who they bet four days later um, you know, right before the games start, consistently, the team that has the better what? Yards per play. It's like Moneyball. It's like, why are we getting J- Jeremy Giambi? He gets on base. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, <laughs> that's that's all that's all we need apparently to get closing line value. Maybe I need to look into more things to actually get every game right. Yes, they have Derek King too at quarterback. I guess they use him just to run the football. Not much. Like they yeah. bring him in a couple of design plays he to played, run. He played a lot in the one bad in the game. Vegas game. Yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, yes. but yeah, but it looks like and looking at his game logs, it looks like he runs the ball just the. At least two carries in every game. Yes. So they bring him in. Well, Fez, that's uh, the XFL for you. And that'll do it for this edition of the Fezic Focus. Head on over to pregame.com where you can jump on board with any of Mr. Steve Fezic's incredible packages that are available, whether it's a daily best bet or a season-long subscription. I recommend that because you just get more bang for your buck that way. Uh, but here's a promo code for you. You can take 20% off. If you are a listener of this Fezic Focus podcast, use the promo code SPRING20. Is it officially spring yet? Uh, the weather here would say no, but yeah, the calendar is, right? says yes. Yeah, like, wasn't it this week? March 21st or 22nd? Yeah, the 21st, right? Because yeah. the groundhog saw his shadow, so no, six more weeks no, of winter. No. So March 20th was, no, no? No, it's all based on the... 
the what, what, what's 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 it the called? lunar calendar? The no, farmer's the, almanac. The the the, the 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 Germans got nothing to do with this, AJ. It's not germane to the situation. <laughs> it's it's all about the sun and the earth. The moon is irrelevant on the uh, uh, the, the, equi- the there, there's the equinoxes and the uh-huh. and the ver- the vernals, what? the solstices, the solstices and the equinoxes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You're good. And we're at one or the other. Yeah. And it's the summer solstice, so it must be the vernal equinox is autumn. Oh, no, summer and, uh, solstice is June 21st. Yeah, that's so the longest day of the to, year. That's when we go to summer. Yeah, so the yeah. solstice is we go to summer, winter, and it's like the vernal equinox and the whatever, the spring. I don't know what the spring is. Is it called the spring equinox? I think you're making things up. No, equinox is when there's an equal amount of, of daylight and, and, I don't know. and, e- and, and, and e- nighttime and daytime. Equinox. It's equal. Sounds to like hippie hours talk each. to me. Yeah. I like the groundhog thing. Listen, equinox. <laughs> equinox is just the name of an expensive gym, uh, and it is the spring equinox. Uh, spring twenty is the promo code. <laughs> we'll get you twenty percent off anything you'd like at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, and of course, Mister Steve Fezzik. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This has been the Fezzik Focus. Mm-hmm.